Hey everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. The podcast where we talk about the business of sports with, with interesting executives and entrepreneurs, investors, athletes, etc. And I do that, try to do it every week with my co-host Joe Favorito. We've had a little bit of trouble this summer, so it's good to be reunited, Joe. I don't know if we've had trouble. We've been on vacation, well, Tom. Well, we've actually been taking so, a little R&R, yeah. which has been really nice, but... Here we are in the middle of August, and we know what that means, Joe, in this business. There's this fever around the sport of Yeah, well, there's, there's nothing going on in fantasy or gambling yeah. or anything like right. that. It's a very quiet So you combine summer. what's going on with the worlds of uh, fantasy sports and the burgeoning business of sports betting. And analytics. And, and analytics, and then what, and just the evergreen interest in the NFL and college football, especially in this country, <laughs> and you have a powerful, perfect storm and we're going to delve into a topic today that's going to be really interesting and very apropos for this time of the year. And I'm sure a lot of people will really be interested to hear from the guys we're talking to. So we're going to be talking to a very, very early stage, essentially a startup company called The Quantage, which is a predictive analytics uh, data analysis company. We'll hear a better description than that from these guys in a second. Uh, and we've got the key team members from the Quantage with us today. We've got Todd Gross, who is the founder and CEO. We've got Elliot Christ, who's the sports product manager. And we've got Dave Connors, who's in charge of business development. Welcome, guys. Well, thanks very much, Tom. It's great to be here. Really pleasure, a real pleasure to have you. And um, Joe and I have a lot of questions for you. So why don't we jump right in? But let's set the stage. You get a little bit of background of, of, of the the, uh, the creation story, the origin story of the Quantage coming from the world of high finance on Wall Street and quants and algos and all that kind of stuff. So Todd, why don't you lead us off with that uh, quick story? Sure. I mean, and I don't know if it's necessarily high finance. There's also some low finance okay. in there. Um, so when I started after graduating from UPenn, which is a rival of Columbia, uh, I started working on the floor of the exchange. When Iraq invaded Kuwait, I was trading options in, in energy at the New York Mercantile Exchange down here uh, in the southern tip of Manhattan, um, and founded an options firm, and we used a lot of quantitative analytics back then, kind of old school. We'd do a lot of options modeling, and we'd use sheets instead of computers, mm -hmm. and, and the evolutionary process over time where we developed into um, quantitative fund managers using uh, real-time data and lots of big data to make real-time decisions. And so um, one of the interesting things that helped us make this transition to sports was that uh, initially when we were looking at our engine of quantitative analytics professionals uh, and talented folks, a lot, of, a lot of which come from the Columbia Master's Program, um, we were looking at how to apply uh, what we know. And so sports was kind of down the list, um, largely because you know, initially I wasn't a huge sports fan. Um, and so as I spoke to some very important influential people in the business, uh, sports started to climb. And then there was the Supreme Court uh, case, December 4th of 2017, where Chris Christie um, brought the case uh, about sports wagering in this country. And that brought it forward. And then once the wide decision was made on May 14th, we were fortunate to be in the evolutionary process of developing what we were for fantasy to be able to add sports betting and wagering to what we're doing. Um, and now just recently launched our product. Uh, about a week ago, and this and this is also related to the um, some other verticals you have, right? In, in, in healthcare and yeah, uh, and, finance and finance. So yeah. we started so, out. So explain that you yeah. know how, how you're kind of translating what you're doing in other sectors into sports. So it's really incredible because as 
as we've seen in finance, and oftentimes finance, they have a very, very competitive landscape for quantitative analytics. And so what you end up seeing is that um, there are certain ways in which you can handle data and new information and cre create value in terms of decision making. So as we've, we've, we've honed our, our core group of professionals to um, do these calculations, we were thinking about, well, where else can we apply them? Uh, one of the things that we have is uh, multivariate hypothesis testing, which is Zheng Wan's you know, PhD dissertation. Um, this is a great way when you translate it into sports, you can also translate it to finance. Finance coming from you know, a portfolio of stocks in sports, bet on these four games and you have a positive expected value. You should be able to over time make money making these four bets. Um, so that's one way of translating it. We've also, uh, the last vertical is in healthcare, where we're looking at stemming 30-day uh, hospital readmissions by looking at uh, different time series data sets that come in at different intervals from the brain, the heart, and the lungs. So that's just you know, our third place uh, where we can, we can utilize this very powerful engine that we have. It's not dissimilar, Tom, from Tom and I worked at Bloomberg Sports when it first started. And ironically, the, the piece that was going to go into fantasy was J.B. Lee and Bo Moon coming up with what they were doing with the predictive analytics at Bloomberg mm -hmm. and just literally layering sports things over it to show it was Dan Doctoroff at the time how to do it. So it's, right. it's a great parallel, and I think it's something that people forget sometimes when you're looking at this that, you know, data analysis is data analysis, whether you know, no matter what the field, it's kind of what you do with the data and how you can manipulate it to make it successful in whoever your audience is. So, so the question I guess would be for all you guys is like, so how did sports rise uh, on, on, like how did it keep coming up? And um, the opportunity now, I guess, that would be the opportunity. You know, yeah, and I was to the corollary yeah. question is, were you guys in betting enthusiasts, sports betting enthusiasts? And you kind of using some of these. Oops, we got some smiles from around the room. I don't know about that. No, nobody bets. Yeah. So well, I, in other words, it, it, I, I assume part of it had to be based on your personal predilections and interests on this topic. Yeah, I mean, I always, I always had made wagers over the years, and um, but only in Las Vegas. Or yeah. Right. So, well, yeah, exactly, and, and so, and especially on certain games, and I had my my certain favorites along the way. Um, that I would always bet on. So, and then when they started, you know, and my son would do a little bit of it, and he always bet on the Mets, and that didn't really work out for him. So I was trying to help him kind of figure out how to do that a little bit more intelligently over time. And bet realize, against the Mets. That's bet against the Mets. Well, yeah. We have those. We have those trades in finance also. Yeah. Right. If this doesn't work all the time, take the opposite side mm -hmm. and do the opposite. And so, uh, to a large extent, there was a lot of parallels that we saw. Um, and what happened was is that we were looking at our quantitative analytics engine. I spoke to uh, somebody who had graduated from my program, the Management and Technology Program down at UPenn, a very uh, guy who founded Internet Capital Group, and he suggested that you know, this was going to be a hot area. And you know, he, he runs a company called Actual, which is a uh, publicly traded venture firm. Um, and he's very well, you know, he's very well situated to see a lot of things. I said, you know, that's really interesting. I'll take that piece of information and I'll tuck it away in my pocket. And then we had some other investors come to us and say, you know, we really like what you're doing. How about sports? Uh, and so we were yeah. like, okay, there's another really good opportunity. Yeah. And then, then we were clued in. We, uh, we were working with Jeff Bowe, who was at, uh, at the time, I guess, is, is at Draft, Draft. Mm -hmm. and a good friend of ours and an advisor who said, you know, there could be the sports betting that's on the horizon. And then the December uh, court case happened. So it seemed like a lot of things fell into place for us to be yeah. more and more focused on sports. And then we were fortunate enough along the way to kind of get this tremendous team together who all have this. Right. So, so, so talking about building the tremendous team, 
tell us the, the, quickly the steps you went through to connect with Elliot and Dave and, and your other, uh, the other man, management guys and, and the guys that are doing some of the quant work for you. Sure. So, um, so along the way, and as a startup, it's, it's never easy. And so what you're always looking for is people who are enthusiastic about any particular area. Um, and so uh, along the way, we've actually gone uh, on Handshake at Columbia. And uh, because I'm local in the city, I live on the Upper West Side. It's, I always like to walk everywhere. So I walk up to Columbia to meet nice. my students. Uh, and they're all really, really talented, very, very bright. And um, fortunate enough to, to know enough, uh, enough really great uh, students willing to kind of work with us on our projects to, to make a difference. And so over time, um, we got fellows like ZJ, who is an unbelievably um, talented uh, data scientist and you know, sits behind the controls of like putting this whole thing together. Uh, and then along the way, I was, I was, I was at uh, one of the headhunters shops that I know, um, and we were talking about like sports, and they, don't, they didn't recruit for sports or anything. I said, well, you know, we're kind of looking for somebody. Do you know anyone? And uh, fortunately, uh, they found us four candidates, one of which was Elliot. And, you know, it's amazing. You can talk to two people with the exact same resume and, you know, they're just completely different. And Elliot is just, I mean, he's a superstar. I mean, he just knows this stuff in and out. He's incredibly dedicated. And he, I mean, and he also knows how to do many, many things. There's people who know, you know, a lot more around with life and things than, you know, you can see on a two-dimensional piece of paper. And Elliot's certainly one of them. So, Elliot, why don't you just tell your quick backstory? Because I know you've been involved in this business on the sports side for a while. Yeah, so originally I graduated from St. Joe's and got a job in St. Joe's in Philly? Yeah. The Hawks. Yeah. Never die. Yeah. They died a lot when I was at school there. That was that was a popular phrase. Then we'd go to games, then people would start chanting, The Hawk is dead and then we'd have to live with that every time. Anyway, before that we go off to that depressing story about St. Joe's basketball. Um, I got a job in finance and I was like, you know, I'm just gonna to get a job and try to start life and real pretty quickly I realized that's not what I wanted to do and football was my whole life growing up um, I shattered my leg when I was 11 years old uh, they weren't sure I was gonna walk again playing football nonetheless and um, you know I realized I could never play football would have realized that eventually anyway in terms of lack of well, especially athleticism going to St. Joe's. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I always you know I, I always studied the game I always tried to learn more whether it was about film analytics whatever it was and you know, I, I left my job and decided to take a chance, and um, I worked for Pro Football Focus. Oh. Um, and so well, I guys very well. developed a, um, an analytics background in football in that way. And, you know, the thing I really liked about PFF was the harder you work, the more opportunities you get. Mm -hmm. So I took a part-time role and put in about 100-plus hours a week. You know, I'd, I'd be working Friday night, 3 a.m., breaking down Clemson, Oklahoma film, trying to, trying to just prove more and more opportunities. And How long ago was that, by the way? Uh, two seasons ago. Okay. So, and then... So, Daly had already become a thing. Daly had already become a thing. I, and on top of all this, I had already been playing daily fantasy for about... This, this is probably going to be my seventh year. Okay. Uh, I've been betting on sports legally. Um, <laughs> in Las Vegas. In Las Vegas. Um, since I was 
in college. The day I turned 21 is when I started doing that. Um, Sweet right answer. So I've always, I've always done you it. You have all those Philadelphia road trips to, to Atlanta, Atlantic City and Las Vegas. 21st birthday, I got in the car and went west. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, when, when I got the PFF job, I created a social media account, not thinking anyone would care. But, you know, and I just started talking about the stuff I had always done in fantasy football. And that really took off. And then... The season ended for PFF, and people were really impressed with my stuff, and I started um, doing scouting for Matt Miller at Bleacher Report. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing some scouting at a website called um, NDT Scouting, and that website's now the Draft Network. And then from there, you know, the the season comes back around. I I do more work for PFF. Uh, I continue to tweet out about all the fantasy stuff, and at this point I've grown a following, following base. And... People are really taking notice, and they're like, "Wow, this guy's making a lot of money." You know what I'm saying? This guy's putting out stuff that makes a lot of sense. And you know, can I, I just interject this a quick question? Twitter has become quite the important outlet for absolutely for, for, for both users of or, or players of fantasy sports and embedders and uh, industry experts such as yourself. Absolutely, correct? it's a way to it's a way to connect with people. Yeah, but you more know, so than any other social. Platform. Absolutely, because you get you know you don't. It's 140 characters, 180 characters, yeah, whatever it is now. Short and sweet. It's short and sweet. There's interaction. There's. It's also live breaking news for sports, right. so everyone can see everyone's reaction and have back and forth. So, uh, creating social media is incredibly important. Right. And you know, from there, I I kind of started working with uh, Power Hour and giving out fantasy advice, and started working with Four for Four um, and giving fantasy advice, and continuing to build a network. I had my own podcast last year too, called the uh, Draft Daily Podcast, where I broke down a new prospect every single day. So. I just immersed myself in the fantasy community as much as I could, trying to show my different ideas, trying to show my work ethic, um, passion for it all. And I I think the one thing that really worked well for me was that I tried to bring a new approach or a new idea to everything where a lot of people try to replicate what someone else has already done and been successful. I came out with new ideas and that's what brought me in and got me a big network with guys like Evan Silva, Sigmund Bloom, the football guys. Like These guys are now all people I reach out to and, and talk fantasy football with, which has really helped me. But make, creating new things was kind of how I got the in, in in the industry. And then when Todd came to me or and I got recruited and I got to do the interview, I was like, I'm not blowing this. Like this, this is a dream, right? And so I came in with, I think, like ten. Why was it a dream, by the way? Just based on the description of this new business you saw. Yeah. So, you know, it was it was an opportunity to do this full time. Mm -hmm. You know, immerse myself every day in trying to create new things to give people advantages in betting and and fantasy sports, which is kind of that's what I've been doing anyway. And now I just got to get paid. More. <laughs> and by the way, we want to just to interject. I mean, one of the things we see in finance is like there are very few original ideas on Wall Street. Everybody just kind of copies somebody right. else. And you know, one of the things I saw in Elliot was the fact that you know he had original ideas, and you know it's kind of rare. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's you know it's it's kind of one of those things. Okay. And then so I brought some of the original ideas, which we'll talk about a little bit when we get to yeah. the tools that are now you know real life out there things yeah. which people are really excited about. Just kind of you know my brainchild and see what how people respond to that. And Todd was like, let's, let's, um, you know, let's make this happen. And I was like, that's, that's amazing. So, you know, I was all in the second, the second I got the opportunity. And just for everybody, pro football focus founded by Chris Collinsworth, correct? Yes. Um, big investment and and gets amazing exposure for anybody who watches football on NBC. Uh, and has really kind of become in a lot of ways, kind of the, especially for 
schools and for a bunch of teams really a different type of analytics that, that people have looked at before, which it sounds like that's where you know your focus is, is what's new and different, not just the same thing, and what's successful. So, so I guess the question for all you guys is like, what is the different path when people look, you know, hate to use the analogy where you walk into Barnes & Noble and there's 37 fantasy magazines which are basically the same. How do you find a different path in a space that's really, really focused? Yeah, or one other way to, to frame mm-hmm. that is to say, what was missing in the market? Yep. What were the problems in the market? Because we can relate to this. I've been, you know, Joe does some fantasy. I've been an active fantasy player for, for years. Uh, and I have my own thoughts on that as a user, but I'm just curious, like, what did you think that was needed beyond just the fundamental idea of innovation? Anything specific? I mean, maybe that's a good yeah, well, you know, I'll, st- I'll start and I'll let Elliot yeah. finish because Elliot is really the, the brainchild around it. But you know, one of the things you see is a, a business that's been on the web for 23 years that um, there's a certain level of um, aficionado influence. Uh, and there's a, And when you kind of look at things in a more... Um, concrete, data-driven way. I think that there there are a few firms or groups that do it out there and do it pretty well. Uh, but we thought that there was certainly room for our innovation and the way we uh, apply our technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I saw an opportunity, kind of the way when I was at, at a market-making firm on the floor trading options in the late '80s, that there were only a few guys out there, and it was you know a great time to be in the business. I thought that there was a similar opportunity, and you know Elliot came forth with some some great ideas. So. You know, DFS, there are a lot of talented people and, you know, everyone wants to be in the space, but it takes a ton of research time. So the we tried to, one, cut down research time and two, give people the ability to see things that they couldn't see anywhere else. So, you know, we have a head-to-head tool where you're able to compare two players and make a quick decision between two people, mm-hmm. which we think is really helpful with all these different advanced metrics, but presented in a very simple way. You know, a lot of people with sports get turned off by analytics and data because it goes right over their head. We try to avoid that. We try to present everything. So it's it's very simple to comprehend and understand and kind of make quick decisions. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there, there are a couple things that I had always tried to do the research on and done as much as I could, but it, they weren't out there. And that's how we created the wide receiver cornerback matchup tool. And that's how we created the injury tool. So the wide receiver cornerback matchup tool allows us to compare any tight end or, or wide receiver to a linebacker safety or corner based on uh, where they line up on the field, uh, based on route type, and based on coverage type. And so you and then you can create your own data visualizations, uh, bar charts based on all these different things with different metrics. And we're cre- creating incredible, incredibly detailed matchup breakdowns for you at a click of a button and it's very simple to understand and that wasn't really out there. There were some charts but there wasn't this detailed information where you could find a way to get an edge that wasn't out there. And then the injury tool... Can you, can you combine that or is it just literally one-on-one like I'm picking Odell Beckham against Richard Sherman or can you can you do a combination of Odell against multiple players? In other words, is it is it all just based on the one the, the, the one-on-one one matchups, matchups because okay. at the end of the day football is a game of one-on-one right. matchups, right? Mm-hmm. So I can bring up Odell Beckham and I can bring up Richard Sherman and I can see Richard Sherman plays you know left cornerback 95% of the time and so Odell Beckham's not going to get shadow coverage so immediately I know I need to go to the next corner as well you know what I mean there, there's okay. um, and the injury tool um, was something I really thought about was you know we 
football has an injury problem, right? We all know this, whether it's the concussions, whether it's everything else, but guys miss time. And how to adjust to that is incredibly important in fantasy mm-hmm. football and DFS and gambling, all these aspects of things. And especially seasonal. Yeah, and whatever, whatever, key guys. whatever it is, you know, you need to be able to adjust to it. And the key is... A lot of these, like Antonio Brown's a great example last year. When he got injured against the Patriots, he had played the previous two seasons 16 games. So people were pulling data from the last time he missed a game, what happened. Okay, well that was three years ago, a lot has changed. But Antonio Brown only plays like 85% of the snaps. So our tool allows you to know what happens whenever a guy is not on the field by play as opposed to by game. So now we can break that, you can take a guy on and off the field and we can see how it impacts the team so we have 10 different statistics that have proven to be predictive um, on how the team is impacted. And then any, and we can do that for offensive and defensive players. And then when we take an offensive player off the field, we can see how every single one of his teammates that's a fantasy-relevant player, so a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, is impacted. Where the, from where they line up on the field to how many targets they're getting to how they look in the red zone. Uh, you know, for running backs off the field, uh, what, what's the breakdown of his backup snap percentage? Because we've actually studies have been shown that the thing that most correlates with a running back's fantasy points is actually how often he's on the field. So you know we're, we're trying to show you different predictive mm-hmm. um, statistics based on who's on and off the field. Right. If we want to take an offensive lineman off the field, because those are big injuries that people don't know how to adjust for, we can see how it impacts all of his teammates right. and the team as well. So you know, just for example. David Bakhtiari of the Green Bay Packers is the left tackle, and he's known as a Pro Bowl player. But when you take him off the field, you can see that Aaron Rodgers' yards per attempt drops by a whole yard, which is significant. And before, there was nothing out there like that, other than, other than I can take Antonio Brown off the field and see that two years ago, you know, they threw to a guy that's no longer on the team. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can, you, can you do anything... Um, about rookies that have no prior NFL data in the so system. These so are the speak. Tom's questions that are going to help him in his <laughs> well, like, I'm obviously trying to get an advantage from the new season. Uh, that's ahead of me. So pull this out. Uh, just, Tom Cerny should pull this out of the podcast. You have really consequential rookies, not many, but like uh, Saquon Barkley on the Giants. Like, I mean, by all accounts, he should be a key fantasy running back this year, I think. I haven't studied everything yet. But there's no NFL history for the guy. So do you actually draw stuff from college data too? So we're not drawing stuff from college data, but we are, we do have a team of you know myself and nine other people who are you know fantasy experts, betting experts, guys that have studied football. Uh, I've studied a ton on these rookie classes, and they're going to be providing content, right? So if if we don't have those Saquon Barkley. Um, statistics for the NFL, you'll be able to get Saquon Barkley information on our website. Okay. You know, we're going to break down rookies. We're going to let people know the information they need to know. That's good. So you mentioned nine people. Can we, and this is for all three of you, let's talk about the business model, what the marketplace is. Some people may think the marketplace is pretty crowded. What's the differentiator and then how do you grow this business and how big is the company right now? Right. So <clears throat> we think that um, the understanding of how large the market can be, especially when we introduce uh, sports gambling, is really underestimated. And it's just football right now, or will you go into other sports? Right. So right now, we're just in NFL. Uh, We're just in fantasy. Uh, I think in about a month, we will have um, the betting site available. Um, and by the way, we should mention, which we forgot to do, that you just launched officially one week ago. That's right. Yeah, we launched officially one so week ago. Yeah, and we're in the middle of early August right, right now, so people listening to this... 
will be able to go on and yeah, engage quantedge.com. Yeah. yeah, that's right, the quantedge.com. And you know, these are great tools. The, the site looks terrific and we've got, you know, one of the things that Elliot's pointed out and I don't want to jinx it at all, but there hasn't been a lot of negative things coming over Twitter, which is something that is, is routine. Um, so we've been pretty fortunate about having yeah. some good reviews there. Um, but in terms of the business model, I think as we roll this out, and they're going to be seasonal, so we're going to, you know, NBA will be next, and then, you know, uh, baseball will be after that. Um, we've developed our platform so that with common metrics, we can do more data science and apply them to both fantasy and wagering at the same time. And so we turn it into more of a data analysis exercise, and then add more data and add more analysis. And um, we believe that the knowledge and the ability to quantify uh, an edge in sports wagering and sports betting will be almost um, have certain transformational effects in, in the society outside of just the folks who you know will convert from fantasy to betting which is what most people are looking at or how how big is is NFL uh, betting uh, currently where it's been legal and how big do is, is it projected? I think there's just there's something quite a bit bigger that's behind it, uh, where um, you know it could supplant people's sometimes their investment in the stock market. There's not any risk management. At the end of the night, you know what your return is, um, and there's a lot of different uh, positives that that go along with it. So uh, versus other types of ways of putting your money at risk. Uh, so anyway, that all being said. There, I think there's an enormous opportunity. I think there's a growth in fantasy sports in places like India, where I think that there's you know a lot of international opportunities at some point uh, as well. So uh, we feel like that the opportunity is extraordinary and it's growing. And I think as a subset of even the fantasy part, the group that's growing with the analytics inside of that number is is also going to be uh, a positive uh, feedback. And the revenue stream comes from where? So right now it comes from subscriptions, okay. and the subscription-based model uh, on the fantasy side. Uh, on the wagering side, that may be different. Uh, as more and more of the media becomes more micro-focused in terms of what people can um, watch and view, uh, so might be our ways in which you can wager. I mean, prop bets are going to be a very, very important mm -hmm. part of what we do, mm -hmm. and that, that lends towards our strengths of real-time predictive quantitative analytics, where we bring data in, and if you're at the end of the third quarter and you want to make a wager on the fourth quarter, uh, you know we'll be able to do that based on current data. Right. And the prop bets, Elliot, are, are are strictly related to actual sports gambling. There's no there's no variation of the classic seasonal fantasy or daily fantasy structure yet, right? Uh, there are a couple um, sites that are on their way. Okay. Uh, Thrive Fantasy that will make it a little bit more real time. Because in other words, like we can go on FanDuel or DraftKings on a Sunday morning, pick a couple of teams, and you know, and you sit there and see what happens with all those players. You're not really engaging other than to check your score during the game itself. So oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Out so there that would allow me, not as a gam uh, better, but as a DFS player, so what, to actually do something in real time where you, you, your tools could help me. Yeah, sorry, I, I misunderstood the question originally. So no halftime and thrive do something different. That's just player prop stuff, but. What you're talking about, DraftKings actually just uh, launched their new product where it's DFS by quarter. By quarter? Okay. That's interesting. So, yeah, so if you want to just do first quarter stuff and you lost or you won and you want to, okay, I'm going to win my money back Double or, down. yeah, with, there, here, here's the second quarter. All right. So that's, that's kind of fun. Let's see what happens here. Um, so talk about the partnerships because you have a number of partnerships in place already. Yeah. And I gather, Dave, you're involved with those? 
Sure, and really driven by Elliot's relationships that he came in with, with a really powerful connection of the community. So we are, um, we're building out, you know, B2B affiliate relationships with like-minded souls, small business owners who've launched their own sites, have accumulated subscribers who have, you know, a lot of faith and trust in the analytics that are being provided, but for which our tools are unique, so there's a, a tremendous crossover there. And right. then a second. So track. it's an enhancement for an existing site or business that Very wants much so. more advanced analytics. Very so much so. Is there an example, like someone who who's you're working with, who's a good example of for people listening? Like, like after right now, yeah. To what's out there? Yeah, I think so. Well, I'll let Elliot tell so. about his relationship. Yeah. So I mean, one example would be like Gridiron Experts is a free site, and they're trying to figure out a way to to help monetize that mm-hmm. outside of um, advertising. So you know. We develop a relationship where you know they, they get an affiliate uh, link or click through or promo code or whatever it is, and you know they, they push people to our site in return. They can use our tools and put screenshots on their site so they can kind of improve their analysis mm-hmm. as well. So it's a it's a two way street. Mm-hmm. So what we see in the in in this business is that everybody's trying to figure out how to monetize the eyes on their sites, and so there's a. A, a pretty warm reception to an affiliate type of relationship where we share revenue. Yeah, and and is that something that conceivably you could just keep doing? Like you could have dozens and dozens of partners. I mean, Absolutely. If I'm running, if I'm running Yahoo Sports or ESPN or NBC Sports, I might be interested in having your stuff on my in my football area. And it, it goes example, it cuts right? both ways as well. There's there's multiple sources of revenue from. The individual subscribers, as as they try to identify which platform they'd right. like to work through, uh, you can get a, a, a revenue from that relationship fed right. back to you. So it, it goes in both directions. Um, we see multiple opportunities to receive revenue from an right. individual uh, right. uh, user. And you guys are going to. Um, I mean, obviously, you have the analytics-based, highly objective content, but you're also going to be doing podcasts and doing more some interpretations and subjective commentary, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So there's going to be about 20 to 25 uh, weekly exclusive uh, articles and podcasts for okay. listeners on, with their... So you do text articles on quantage.com, podcasts, yes. uh, and then, different topics. And then the so other what are tool, some examples? I know you got some podcasts going already. Yeah, so we'll, we'll have a main slate breakdown where I'll, I'll have a different guest uh, from throughout the industry. So we're not just the Quant Edge guys. We're going to have other top people. We're going to have something called the Eye in the Sky, which is me breaking down all the week's games to see if there's any film advantages going on in there. Um, there's going to be uh, a betting podcast called Move the Line, where where people talk, where Connor Allen and Ryan Noonan, who are two of our uh, betting analysts, break down the games and the lines of the week. Um, and then, you know, there'll, there'll be... Uh, written content pieces, whether it's a cash breakdown, which is basically the 50-50 games on DraftKings, uh, there's the primetime slate breakdown, and you're going you're gonna to basically, whatever your type of DFS or betting is, there's going to be an article or a podcast that covers it. So there'll be articles on prop bets and totals and uh, games, and we'll, we'll break all that stuff down. And the other tool that we didn't mention that's not necessarily brand new in the industry is we will also have an optimizer where you can come in and make anywhere between 1 and 150 lineups. Uh, basically, at a click of a button, using our mathematic projections, you can customize it and set your own, you can put, input your own projections, um, you can set player exposures, you can do all these different things. So we're, we're bringing the industry standard tool, adding three tools that aren't out there as well, and giving you more content that's exclusive to you, along with a premium membership 
chat as well. So if you want to be feel like you're part of the community, once you sign up for our site, there's a way for you to just chat with both the admins and the other members about plays as well. So basically, it's a one-stop shop for all your fantasy football needs. Wow, it's a lot of stuff. So as you guys look to scale uh, and grow, and you mentioned some of the other sports, do you go and find more Elliots in those particular sports? And then how do you find those guys? So, so, I mean, it's an interesting question because my guess is there are other people from other sports. I think, Tom, you and I can rattle off a couple of names of people that I think are just embedded in NBA, NCAA, cricket, no matter what it is. Esports. Esports. So um, how do you go and find them? Is it the same way you found Elliot? Well, I think it, actually our network has kind of grown in, in an interesting way where I think you know, we will be able to um, reach out to the right people to find people, mm-hmm. find, find folks in that area. I think uh, for each sport, we're going to have uh, a product specialist, certainly somebody who's really in-depth and in, involved in the business, not only in a, in a knowledge base in terms of what they know uh, and how the, the underlying products work, uh, whether it be fantasy or wagering, but also uh, the ability to reach out and have uh, some kind of an exposure in as a media um, person. And and just touching on the G word, the gambling word, even though it's right now as we speak it's today, cold, it's five cold, states. Cold, um, I never get nervous about gambling. So spending money is a different story. But and by the way, um, when you use the word betting, it's more of a euphemism. With with um, the gambling houses now coming into the United States, um, are they competitive? Comparative so that's what to I want guys. to get into because it yeah. seems like I'll just frame yeah. it that one a little bit differently too. It seems like a lot of the content companies, like the big media companies, want to get more into the data side, yeah, and or the actual platform side, like Yahoo Sports has their own DFS, I think, believe, mm-hmm. um, and of course ESPN has their seasonal, and even a league. The and by the way, and Sports Illustrated just launched SI Gambling, which well, came out. Well, yeah. but, but I'm saying so, so. The content companies want to get more into the objective part of this world. And then companies like the Quad Edge and many others are looking to do more content, like media, classic mm-hmm. media stuff, actual text articles, actual and podcasts. And Betfair and Patty Power. And, I mean. and yeah. then you layer on yeah. the gambling companies, so the sports books, and then the casino uh, operators, at least in the US. So in the case of um, the NBA, so, so, that, MGM. So, yep. so, the, so the sponsorship that MGM did with the NBA includes, I read the story, was that the MGM betting app would be getting the preferred data feed from the NBA. So it seems like everybody's kind of dancing around that key question of like, who's gonna get the customers? Who's gonna get the time spent? Who's gonna get the engagement? And and, and by the way, I think everybody can coexist uh, generally pretty well, but it feels like that's a really volatile time on that particular point. Well, I think that there's a real opportunity here for us. I, I, the way we utilize data and the way we produce the analytics, and I think also the way we're going to produce the user experience, I think it's going to be very helpful to engaging someone who's on our site. And also, it enables us to, to focus on where the odds are best for, for a wager. So, to a large extent, you say, okay, I'm captive to this one uh, betting platform. But at the same time, the odds can be significantly better at another. Uh, unfortunately, and that's just the fact of, of the reality of a, of a marketplace. So this is the way we, you know, we see it that if, if someone's engaged with us and we can help them make a more intelligent betting decision, 
using our analytics and, and also some of their own input, mm -hmm. uh, then we should be able to help them um, uh, and engage them. That would be important for them. And to pull your data, you do not need the official data feed of a league. There's plenty of sources. I'm sure you can go and well, they're using, they're using stats, right? Using stats. Stats is one of the places where okay. we, we have yeah. a few others that we also use. But um, you know, there's there's a, there are a few different, and you can go kind of up the line in terms of cost and granularity and detail. And I think you know that's something as as we find more and more relationships in the data and we look for more. This is something that is part of our business model. I think one of the things Joe and I learned working with the Bloomberg Sports guys at, what, what was that, six years ago? Seven years ago? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, little did we know, this, I, don't, I don't think, I, I, I know I didn't know this, I'm not sure if you knew this, but that how, ten, how important tennis is yes. in the world of sports gambling. I had no clue. So as you look at the global marketplace, where just from a, a market scaling standpoint, you're looking at huge, much bigger opportunities, especially Asia, uh, Europe, et cetera, are you thinking about that kind of stuff, like where you might want to go, both in the specific sports, such as a tennis? I can't um, wait to meet the Elliot of tennis, by the way. I think Roger Federer might be above our budget level. There's kind of the sport <laughs> consideration on the global stage, and then there's the territory consideration in terms of building products and yeah. sending the business. You know, I think that there's, there's for us, it's, um, it's, there's, several, there's several issues, and I think... Uh, where our access lies and how we can make an impact is going to be important. Um, we have channel partners that we've already been speaking with in different areas of the globe for different sports. So um, to a large extent, it's about uh, how effective our tools can be, what platforms can help us you know, cultivate customer relationships, and then um, you know, where the analytics make the most sense. So uh, we kind of have this, this cube of like where we fit within it to find our next opportunity outside of where we're currently right. sitting, which is, and oh, and the last thing is the medium. Right. So there's several different medium, and you and I had this conversation, right. Tom, before, about how many different medium there are and where they're pointed, yeah. and that's a big part of how right. we have to look at this, this issue. Yeah. Okay, so we, we should wrap up, guys, um, but I'll ask one more question on the QuantEdge uh, details. So Tom needs info. I think I have so, a I have so. a friend who maybe would have the first round pick in this draft. So <laughs> Tom needs info. So that friend asked me to, to, to ask you. If you had the first pick right now in the NFL draft for a seasonal league. All three all three of you guys actually. anybody can weigh in, but I'm yeah. I'm most listening to Ellen. The good news about having the first overall pick is there isn't a wrong answer. I mean at the well, end of the day there's no cop I promise you, 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 get, you, you, will get the, you will get the answer you're looking for. And this is one thing we actually... The quarterback versus running back versus wide receiver thing. My answer is Todd Gurley. The, Ooh, okay, thank you. The, wow. Yeah, we can finish the same. <laughs> but one thing we Check. did... I'll tell my friend. <laughs> one thing we did at the Quan Edge was instead of just traditional rankings on our head-to-head -head tool, you can see how each player has um, performed on different metrics in a tiered system, so by percentiles. So it'll show you that, you know, Ty Gurley might be at the 100th percentile per player in fantasy points, but Le'Veon Bell is 99th percentile, and ultimately, you know, as long as you take one of the top four running backs, and my, my personal order would be Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, that top four pick, ultimately, assuming that no one gets hurt, you're, you're going to be fine with any of those four guys regardless. So I know it's a cop-out answer, but no, I also I gave you Todd Gurley. I was going to say you gave me four, so maybe <laughs> my other friend would be the fourth pick. <laughs> I think that you can't, it's important that that point about um, percentiles, 
So, you know, one to two might be a big drop off, right. but you can see what that relative gradient is in terms of the metrics that we provide, and you can see how different they are or yeah. how similar they are for that yeah. matter. Really interesting. Yeah. Wow, guys, this is a fascinating business you're in. Uh, we, wish, we wish you well with it. Um, we, we ask all of our guests a couple of quick questions, and you can guys just do, give quick off-the-cuff answers. Um, we have a lot of young people listening, and you've had different uh, experiences throughout your respective business lives. Any quick career advice for young people listening? What I would say, and, for and, s- and you're hiring, so this is yeah, well, we're hiring. I mean, I think I think we have a compelling business model and a good yeah. good career track for folks. Uh, I think it's important to recognize that um, a rising tide floats all boats, and I never really understood the value of it. And so what ends up happening is if you, you end up in an in a, in a industry where things are maturing and slowing down, um, it's just you have to be that much better than the rest of the crew. And I think that that's something that I really didn't appreciate until I was in the business world for maybe 25 or 30 years, that now I really understand the one time I did uh, a startup under energy deregulation about 20 years ago. I mean, it was a very quick um, you know, uh, moving business that was being pushed by regulation behind us. And that was a rising tide floating all boats. I think we have a similar thing here with sports gambling and, um, and fantasy and just across the globe how it's going. So I feel very confident about where we are now. I would say where I had been in finance is a little bit less, less so that way. And so that's why I'm very happy. Yeah, to that's, be a, that's actually a good point. I mean, it's, it, one way I always say it is just if you, if you had, have your druthers, get on the trend line going in the right direction <laughs> with a company or an industry. Because uh, it's not much fun when you're on the on the wrong uh, trend line, so the rising the rising tide is a good one. Yes. Um, and you guys want to add anything to that? Um, well, I, for me, when I when I make hires, it's uh, I look for the people who have some passion come in because I know the amount of time you're going to put into the workplace, the the, the piece of your life you're going to spend there. You better enjoy it. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. just find some joy. startup environment, I'd say. Right. Yeah. Right. Even more so. Um, and then finally, um, you're at the intersection of sports, media, technology, finance, healthcare, etc. How do you stay smart? What what are you what are you paying attention to? How, how are you keeping up with everything? You know, it's interesting. After 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 being in different businesses for a while, um, I realized surrounding surrounding your enterprise or business with with people who have a very good view on things. Is, is extraordinarily helpful. I mean, you're a good example, Tom. I mean, you have a great view on a lot of different things. Yeah. I was very pleased when we, you, I was introduced to you and, and what I heard, had to hear you say uh, about this business. And so, uh, you know, being in close contact with folks like that can really make it easier for someone to, to move along in the right direction for any business. Uh, we have the same thing in healthcare and with nano, uh, nano, nanotechnology, which is something that we're involved with. Uh, we have a great view on that. So, um, I think that these are very important things to surround a business yeah. with people who are in the know and are, you know, or, or who are kind of like uh, have relationships with people in different parts of the business where they're kind of a, a center for information. Mm-hmm. You guys want to add anything? I know you're probably a big Twitter, I know you're a big Twitter guy, but do you also use it beyond just the uh, um, kind of performance analytics data stuff or using it for, for news and to stay, to stay keep up yeah with so actually I'll use Twitter for news use it for networking because it's amazing you take a day or two off in football it doesn't even matter if it's in May and you feel like you missed a lot and, uh, just just to go back to your question before in terms of like what it takes 
to yeah. make it. And, yeah. and sports is a really difficult field to break in. But you know, Dave mentioned passion, work ethic, being different. That's really important. Stop trying to replicate other people's success. Try to do something different. And then one thing that I see a lot of is everyone wants to be the best, but don't do that by bringing others down. Don't when people are above you, don't just start trying to tell them how much better you are than them or I can make better picks than you were. Like people want to people are happy to help people in the same field when they show a passion and positive energy. Once you go negative, which is in the sports world, the way a lot of people want to go, people, yeah, people will they they'll mute you out whether it's the actual mute button on Twitter or they just they'll they'll turn you off in their mind and they don't want to be around that. So, just positive energy and positive relationships and positive networking is really important in sports, and it's something that a lot of people don't try. Yeah, excellent, uh, excellent uh, point of view there. Um, where can everybody check you out? Let's just go over the list of touch points right now for uh, interested uh, fans. So you can go to thequantedge.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at thequantedge. You can also search TQE, and it'll come up. And if you want to follow me on Twitter as well, in case you can't find that for whatever reason, you will be able to find it. But um, at Elliot Christ, E-L-I-O-T-C-R-I-S-T. Um, and, you know, there's, there's constant updates on everything that's going on. Every time an article comes out, we tweet it out. Uh, you, can, you can check out the website free for another week. So, you know, the, nice. you, you can get all this information right now. And will your podcasts be accessible on most of the leading podcast platforms? When so you we, we will have seven, seven podcasts in total. The betting podcast will be out on iTunes. The other ones are going to be site exclusive because we want you to feel like if you pay us, our information and our tools. So this be part of the premium service. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting to hear. Um, okay. Cool. And then last question related to that is, do you want to say something about hiring? Should we just put a little APB out in this podcast? Well, it's always nice. I mean, we're always looking for um, really talented uh, data scientists who can you know know R and Shiny, which is kind of the platforms we use, uh, and also um, we're you know, selectively looking for folks in different sports as sports experts. So we'll be we'll be doing that. And well, making, how would you characterize those positions? So, Elliot, Steeny Elliot. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's. A, I think it's going to be possible to replicate an Elliot, but you know, someone who job requirement be like Elliot really <laughs> understands the details of of how the, the specific sports work, both on the fantasy and the betting side to help marry the the, the quant with the yeah, correct okay. and yeah. and you know, I mean, it's like we had this kind of evolutionary process to think help Elliot go from where he was to thinking about, you know, data tables and, you know, our statements, right. uh, which he's very easily done. And, and But I think the other part of it is um, someone who is connected within the um, network in that sport. And I think that's very important for us as well. Excellent. So could someone tweet at you if they wanted, for example? Yeah, I mean, I would say, well, maybe to well, Elliot. Or I mean, the Quan Edge. The Quan Edge. Yeah, the, the Quan Edge uh, direct messages are open. Um, people tweet at me all the time. I, I just... People reach out all the time about job opportunities. Um, I always encourage people to send uh, writing samples, tell them you know, what they think they could bring to the site. Excellent. All right, cool. Joe. Any, it's great. Any no. final words? I'm, I'm just happy that you got some picks, Tom. That's, yeah. that's, that was the goal. Well, I'm this, sure so. that you can use them, too, and we'll, we'll just keep this between <laughs> us. But maybe we won't publish this podcast. <laughs> For another few all minutes. right, so uh, thank you, Todd. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, The Quant Edge. Uh, we wish you well uh, in the um, expansion of the business now that you're post-launch. Uh, it's really exciting, and I, for one, will be 
really curious to see how it goes for you, uh, both from a business standpoint and, and prediction standpoint, because I plan on using some of these tools, uh, especially in, in about two weeks. Um, so thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Tom, for producing. Thank you, Joe. Pleasure, as always. Good so, to see you again. Uh, any questions, comments, let us know. You can find Joe at Joe Fav on Twitter, me at, at ConvergenceTR. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Cusp Show. All right, guys, that was awesome.